passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Episode 163 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon finals, which kicks off today. Wimbledon kicks off this morning. Major League Baseball and the latest fights news, and even next year's early NFL futures. You can find it all at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BLEAVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to get the bonus and get in the action. Again, a 50% welcome bonus if you use promo code BLEAVE. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 163 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Welcome back, welcome back, episode 163 for the love of the game with yours truly, Aaron Tobin has ATH back in the saddle on a Monday morning. And now that the Stanley Cup is done, the Colorado Avalanche are now Stanley Cup champions. They defeat the Lightning 2-1 in Game 6 to win their third Stanley Cup in the team's history. Now that the Stanley Cup is done, the sports calendar is basically just going to be a lot of baseball. NBA, the draft has come and gone. We'll talk about the draft a little bit, specifically about what the Knicks did and why I really didn't like it. Football is not yet ramping up, so it's going to be a lot of baseball talk. Maybe we'll get a little bit creative on other topics, but NBA free agencies come. But other than that, basketball is pretty much done. So a little bit lighter in the sports calendar, but you know what? That's summertime. Enjoy your summers, everybody. You're still going to get tremendous content out of me. We just might do it a little bit differently. So as I just mentioned, the Colorado Avalanche, Stanley Cup champions, what a year for the Avalanche. They tied the record for most wins in a calendar year and cap it off by winning the Stanley Cup. Major kudos to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Two straight Stanley Cup wins prior to this year. Another run to the Cup this year. Incredible run in the salary cap era. And they put up a major fight in this series. A major fight in this series. So after the first two games where it looks like they're going to get swept, they come back and win game three. They lose game four in overtime. And no one thought that they were going to win game five on the road in Colorado. 
but they did to force a game six. That's championship level stuff right there. That's called mental fortitude. That's a team that has been there, done that, knows how to win. So they forced game six, but ultimately the Avalanche were just too much. They were they were too fast. They were too talented, too good. I mean, it kind of feels in the same way like the passing of the torch, like the Islanders to the Oilers in the 80s. We shall see. But what an entertaining series it was, and what a great playoffs for the NHL. Hockey is having a major come-up right now. A major come-up. Good for the sport. Good for hockey. And yes, I hate to admit it, but there was a part of me that was relieved that the Rangers lost in the Eastern Conference Finals because I just don't think they would have put up much of a fight against this Colorado Avalanche team. I mean, what a wagon they were. And shout out to recurring guest Dove Gross, who nailed his prediction. Avs in six, right on the money. Kudos to him. We'll have to have him on next year to talk a little bit more about the NHL. The New York Yankees. What a win yesterday was. Six, three, and ten innings. Aaron Judge with the game-winning three-run home run in the tenth. After getting no hit, a combined no-hitter on Saturday. Their second straight loss after losing again Friday night. Aaron Judge with the walk-off win yesterday. He also had a walk-off hit Thursday against the Astros, which was a crazy game. Now, the Yankees didn't have a hit yesterday until the sixth inning. So basically, they had gone a game and two-thirds without getting a hit. And then Stanton hits the home run, gets it a 3-1. DJ LeMayu homers in the eighth to tie it. And then Judge in the tenth, salvaging a split. Could have been a lot, lot worse if you're the New York Yankees. But what a win yesterday was. I, it just The resilience of this team is incredible. In this quote-unquote prove-it stretch of games, right, against the Toronto Blue Jays, the Astros, the Yankees went 9-4. and 9-4. and four. That's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. One thing to watch, though, is the shine of Nestor Cortez. The shine may be coming off a little bit. He got hit up a little bit again yesterday, but all things considered, what can you complain about if you're the uh, Yankee fan besides for Joey Gallo and being nervous about Nestor Cortez? Really not much to complain about. Aaron Judge, I mean, what else can you say? Game-winning hit Thursday. Big hit yesterday. Settled his arbitration case and will get a monster off-season payday. I mean, he's probably going to win the MVP in the American League. I mean, he's by far the front runner. And hopefully this magical year ends in a World Series title as well. I mean, 53-20, and 20, what a start for the New York Yankees. As for the New York Knicks, now the NBA draft, I was looking forward to the NBA draft. And I don't want to go through all the picks in the NBA draft because I think there are a bunch of other podcasts that do it a little bit better than me. There were some surprises. I mean, Sacramento was definitely surprised with them doing what they did and not trading back, taking Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey. Uh, that was weird, but I just want to focus on the New York Knicks right now because it, this is an this is an emblematic problem where the Knicks are as a franchise. So the Knicks had the 11th pick. It was very clear that they wanted Jaden Ivey in the draft, and they did, according to all reports, they did whatever they could to trade up to get that pick. 
Now, I don't know what they offered Sacramento with four, who ended up, again, taking Keegan Murray, the forward out of Iowa. Instead, I don't know what the Knicks offered it for. But the way the draft unfolded, I find it hard to believe that Sacramento's offer couldn't have been that great for them to move out of that spot because they, again, maybe could have gotten Keegan Murray at 11 with the way the draft fell. I don't think that was possible, but there were things that could have happened where Sacramento not dealing out of four was weird, but Sacramento is going to Sacramento. But okay, so the Knicks don't get up to four. Jaden Ivey goes fifth to Detroit. It's a good fit alongside Cade Cunningham, a very fun backcourt for the future. The Knicks are trying like hell to trade up to get that fifth pick. Detroit's like, nah, we're good. All right, we're going to, we're going to, Stay here because we love the fit, and and they should. So the Knicks then trade the 11th pick. They move back to – they trade the pick to Oklahoma City. And what ends up resulting is they get a 2023 first-round pick via Detroit that is protected 1 through 18 until 2024, then protected 1 through 13 in 2025, and 1 through 11 in 2026, 1 through 9 in 2027. All right? Not a great first-round pick. Another first-round pick, 2023 first-round pick via Washington. 1 through 14 protected in 23. 1 through 12 protected in 24. Top 10 protected in 25. 1 through 8 protected in 2026. A 2025 first-round pick via Milwaukee. 1 through 4 protected. And they did all of this in a trade with Detroit to dump Kemba Walker's $8 million salary on Detroit. So basically, essentially what the Knicks got for a late lottery pick, which again, is not a prime pick, but still a lottery pick that's a major asset. They move out of the first round entirely to get three highly protected late first round picks that probably won't convey. I should say, no, they got four, and they traded one back to Detroit to dump Kemba Walker's salary, which is less than the mid-level exception, which is about $10 million. I understand that the Knicks may have not gotten the guy they wanted. They were clearly lusting after Jaden Ivey. I get it. They couldn't get it. But you don't pick your ball up and go home and just punt the draft because you don't get the guy that you're angling to trade up for. Like, you have scouts for a reason, right? Figure it out. Take a swing on somebody, okay? It's not like the team is a great team that's got tons of talent. They won 37 games last year. You're telling me that you can't find the player that can help you this year? You're telling me that because... You didn't like that there was nobody you liked at all that could possibly help a team that, again, wasn't a playoff team last year. Is that what you're telling me? And spare me, Nick fans, spare me about this trading back, getting more assets to collect in a trade for Donovan Mitchell, for DeJounte Murray, for all these guys. No one's going to want these picks. These picks are garbage, okay? They're late first-round picks at best. They're not going to convey. 
Nothing they did the night of the draft makes them any more of a trade target with these teams. It's insanity. They basically picked up their ball and went home because it didn't go their way. And it also reeks of Tom Thibodeau running the organization because we know that Tibbs doesn't like playing young players and doesn't develop young players well. Well, this Knicks roster is full of young players. And as Alan Hahn said so acutely on ESPN Radio, it's that they couldn't even trade up because around the league, teams don't view Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, and some of the young guys that the Knicks have as assets because they don't play enough. So the Knicks is an organization. What the hell are we doing? And then we get Leon Rose saying in a statement, a written statement, because he's too much of a puss to go in front of the press and answer questions and do a press conference. We have him saying that we're clearing up cap space and we're going to, you know, we did this for more assets to develop our young players. Well, then, let me ask you this. Why do you still employ a coach that chose to play Taj Gibson? Over Obi Toppin, why do you have a coach who chose to play Alec Burks over Emmanuel quickly and stood in front of reporters and said Alec Burks gives us the best chance to win while playing point guard? Does it make any sense? Does it make a lick of sense? You have scouts, okay? They are paid to scout. If you don't get the player you want, I understand. Tough shit. You know what? You have to have a contingency plan. You have to have a contingency plan. You can't tell me that you can't find guys in the late lottery that may help. Now, again, you know, the draft is a crapshoot. It doesn't always work out. But take a damn swing as opposed to not doing anything at all. And to use a lottery pick to essentially dump $8 million in salary is not maximizing an asset. To then clear cap space, and now the reports is, you know, they're they're hot after Jalen Brunson. You know, they, they just hired, you know, Brunson's father, Rick Brunson, who played for the Knicks, to work as an assistant coach to pay Jalen Brunson $25 million a year for a guy who's never going to make an all-star team, let alone an all-NBA team. He's a nice player, but what are we doing? What are we doing? This reeks of Tom Thibodeau. It reeks of a front office that's lazy. And that's a damn problem especially for a team that won 37 games last year. The playoff run two years ago was great. It was really great. I had a great time watching that team. But that team was an aberration. Julius Randle was an aberration. And we should not be tied, or I should say the Knicks should not be tied to themselves to that magical run, which resulted in a first-round exit. Gross, absolutely grotesque. 
And I don't want to hear about the future picks because they're never going to convey. All right. I don't want to hear ca about cap space because there's no one worth the cap space that they have right now. It's a team that doesn't understand the draft, it seems like, and it's a team that doesn't understand maximizing assets. To trade a lottery pick to shed $8 million in salary, which is less than the mid-level exception, is ridiculous. Now, if you were saying that you should shed Fournier's contract, okay, fine. If it was Randall, okay, fine. But Kemba Walker makes less than the mid-level exception. Terrible. Terrible. Now, is it a franchise crippling move? No. No, it's not. Okay? Contrary to what Stephen A. Smith may make you believe, it's not the case. Now, could they salvage this offseason by somehow landing DeJounte Murray? Yeah, of course. That'd be wonderful, right? If they somehow get out from under this Randall deal, the offseason's a win. But right now, this Knicks team has no idea what it's doing. And a lot of that has to do with the direction and the personality of the coach who should have been fired at the end of last year. Figure it the hell out. You have a scouting department to figure out contingency plans. Don't tell me that there's no one you liked. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And if you don't want to pick up another young player because the coach doesn't like playing young players, well, get rid of the fucking coach. I was waiting for them to just do the same thing and take A.J. Griffin 11 and be like, ah, all right, fine, whatever. Not a big freaking deal. The draft came and went. But this was so bad and reeks of incompetence. Whatever. I mean, we'll see what the Knicks do the rest of the offseason. We'll see what free agency brings. But draft night was a disaster. And anybody who tells you otherwise is either drinking the Kool-Aid or is an idiot. With that said, we are going to bring on a recurring guest, somebody who I haven't spoken to in a while, to talk about the state of baseball. Because baseball, again, confuses me to no end with what they're doing and we're going to talk to him in just a matter of moments this episode of the for the love of the game show on the belief podcast is brought to you by auto approve auto approve is an online service that makes vehicle refinancing easier and faster auto approve connects vehicle owners with a network of top credit unions banks and finance companies to find the best available interest rates that helps you handle the paperwork simplifying the vehicle refinancing process from the beginning to end and putting money back in your wallet take your tag light to the next level with more money in your pocket not only will you save thousands on your auto loan with working with auto approve but for all listeners that refinance through auto approve they will send you a hundred dollars cash to your mailbox that's right they'll not only help you lower your monthly payment but if you use auto approve promo code slash believe, they'll send you $100 back cash back. To find out how much you can save and claim your $100 cash back again, go to autoapprove.com slash believe. Auto approve. Save money on your car loan. So as I teased in the monologue, I'm bringing on a recurring guest 
Somebody I haven't spoken to in a while, but he's got to be in great, great spirits because his New York Mets are having the best regular season since 2006. None other than Moshe Cook. Moshe, what's good, bud? How you doing? Man, it's it's good to be back. I feel like we haven't talked baseball. I don't know. We talked maybe in the pre-pandemic. I don't know if we ended up chatting. Usually we have Phil, too, uh, before the 2021 season. But look, the Mets are great. New York baseball is great. It's, it's a good time. It's a good time to be a fan. New York baseball, it, it's out of control. I mean, it, it was a, quite the swing of emotions for, for Yankee fans this weekend because obviously you know that we hate the Astros with a fire that it's probably even more than the Red Sox now. And after losing two straight and getting combined no hit for 16 innings, uh, to come back and win that game on Sunday was, was really masterful. But – I mean, and the Mets, they're having an incredible year. And DeGrom and Scherzer, you know, I mean, DeGrom hasn't even pitched and Scherzer's barely pitched. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say as a Mets fan that, like, everything has gone right. Even times aside from, let's say, DeGrom and Scherzer, guys who have gotten hurt, it hasn't been the catastrophic injury. So, you know, Alonzo gets hit on the hand, x-rays are negative. Marte does this, x-rays are negative. So, Feels like they keep dodging typical Mets bullets, but the team feels like it's built a little different. And Buck Showalter seems to be infusing the clubhouse with a, a little bit of a different. They, they also they play with a preparedness that I have not seen them play. They they make the right decisions. Buck is just he's on top of those sorts of things. He's um, the adult in the room. I mean, I want yeah. the Yankees to hire him. No, he's been honestly. He's Look, every manager is going to make some mistakes with the bullpen, but you, there are no complaints. Everything has gone about right. And, you know, the other big, they kind of poached Eric Chavez from the Yankees in the offseason. The Yankees had hired him to be in their system, and the Mets poached him to be their hitting coach. And whatever approach he's been preaching has been working. The Mets, uh, their offense has been has been potent all year long. Well, they may have an MVP candidate on the roster too, which uh, doesn't yeah. hurt. But we're no. gonna—I'm gonna let you wax poetically about the Mets in a second. But I wanted <laughs> okay. to talk about the state—the state of baseball as you know, and the importance of baseball in you know pop culture, right? In in mm-hmm. the sporting landscape as as a national brand. So, I mean, obviously, New York baseball lovers this weekend realized that. The Yankees were not playing on Yes or um, or My Nine or or you know the WB network that they normally would play. That they were just doing the Apple streaming services, right? Yep. Uh, it was it was Amazon. I think it was Amazon Prime. I'm not sure if it was Apple too. But like, what is baseball doing here, right? Like, like wh- I know they're trying to incorporate a younger audience i understand they're trying to chase something but is this the way to go about it like why why this yeah look i i can't tell you what the exact reasoning is i think part of it is everybody has an apple device so you're basically putting the game into the hands of pretty much anyone who has access uh, Apple TV is not one of the more expensive uh, streaming services. I think it's like $4.99, $5.99 a month compared to Netflix, which is like $16, $17 a month at this point. And Apple, I mean, this is just from a general streaming perspective. 
Apple's not really that concerned with that sort of thing because their money is not in streaming. It's in it's in devices. Devices. I and and through the devices, we end up with this technology in our hands. Um, I think that there's been a long gestating rumor that uh the Sunday ticket has already been sold to Apple. Um, it just hasn't been announced yet. So I think Apple's just trying to make this massive play. I think they also just signed the, a deal with Major League Soccer. Um, so Apple's obviously making a deal to just become this go-to for literally, you know, movies, TV, sports. They don't have a news product yet, but who knows? Um, but yeah, look, I think that they're trying to- Oh wait, to you, mean, you mean the show, The Newsroom, doesn't uh, count as a news product? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but uh, look, I, I don't know exactly what the- Obviously, they're, they're looking to, to spread their, their audiences, and obviously they're taking the bet that enough- Mets or Yankees fans have Apple TV or whatever streaming service it is that they're going to watch the game anyway, or we'll tune in on the radio. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's Friday nights. Um, I think that they have a, a pretty cool product. I think that they've hired some interesting people that you don't see typically on a lot of, of the other broadcasts. Um, you obviously have like classic old players thing. Hunter Pence is one of their analysts, but Katie Nolan, who I think is really cool, really smart, really funny. She's one of their analysts. Um, I think Hannah Kaiser is one of their, and so, so they're hiring cool people to talk about it. The thing, you know, with these streaming services, we don't know. I don't know if they released their numbers. I don't, we don't know how many people are actually tuning into these games. We don't know how they're measuring success. Um, but I also, I just want, you know, we talked about the state of baseball thing. Um, you know, you sent me over some of the points that we were going to talk about. And at first I was going to get on here and try to really figure it out and, and, and see where, you know, I looked up attendance numbers and I started looking at all this different stuff. And then I kind of realized that, like, my take is I just kind of don't care about this, like, this particular debate because, and you can fill in, like, they're not going to stop playing baseball. It's the sport's not going to go away. I love baseball. So as long as it's there, like, it's the product is made for me. I am a huge baseball fan, regardless of how many, look, would I love for them to be able to build new audiences? Of course I would. But right. at the end of the day, it, it doesn't make a difference. Like, it's never going to be the NBA and it's never going to be the NFL. Um, those, they have, those sports have a spot in our culture, um, and just in day-to-day life and lifestyle. Look, I, I work for very closely with Bleacher Report and their number, like they do a lot of basketball, they do a lot of football. And then look, they have a baseball brand, they have a hockey brand, but the bread and butter is football and basketball. That's the way it's always going to be. Um, so we can kind of wring our hands over state of baseball and is it America's pastime and are they building younger and new audiences and, and it, you know, it is a major problem that nobody can recognize Mike Trout and that like Shohei Otani is probably the most talented athlete on the planet and he plays for the Angels and it doesn't really matter. No one cares. No one cares. But at the end of the day, you know, A, what are they going to do? And B, they print money hand over fist. People are still going to the games. People still watch the games. Um, I, you know, the bigger issues that are plaguing baseball are ones of, you know, you look around the league, it's of competition and competitiveness. Um, and I don't know if that's really directly, maybe that is direct, directly connected. Maybe if more teams were out there trying, then they'd have more fans. Um, you know, I don't, you're a much bigger basketball fan than me. So obviously there are tons of NBA teams who tank. I don't like, do fans go to those games? Um, I don't know. Like I was kind of looking, I saw like the Suns. Yeah, they go, but, but it's also, again, it's, it's less home games, right? It's not, they're not playing 162. So so there's and the 81 TV home rights games. are just so massive. Right. 81 home games, you know, the first two, two and a half months in some cities is 
pretty unbearable to go to in well, person. Well, you're in the Northeast. You can get snow, right? Yeah. Depending on the year. Like, that's crazy. I'm curious to see, and this has kind of been th- this, you know, conspiracy theory so that they dead in the baseball. And just as, you know, now that the NBA season's over, now that Stanley Cup is over, and now that it's summertime and the weather's getting warm and we get people out to the stadiums, they're going to juice it up a little bit and we'll see a, a little bit of a return of offense. Um, and, you know, I think that's where, you know, what will baseball, how is baseball going to impact? You know, they have basically the next, I guess, until NFL training camp starts um, and the preseason where they really, they own the conversation. NBA draft is over. Stanley Cup is over. So I guess it just remains to see. But at the end of the day, I think baseball is, gonna, is, is more and more becoming a niche sport. And that's what it is. I'm proud to be a baseball fan. I love baseball more than any other sport. Um and that's what it is. Like, look, Apple TV is playing a crap ton of money to broadcast games. Peacock is paying a lot of money to stream games. Everyone wants to stream games. So from a business perspective, they're doing great. Uh, right. They're, I mean, and, so they're just they're taking the bag, as they say. But my question yeah. is, is, is why if baseball's becoming more and more regional in terms of fan bases, right? And it really doesn't get the national spotlight, except for maybe the all-star game, just because of the tradition and there's nothing else on, right? until about the playoffs in the World Series, then why not have this the, you know, s- simultaneous broadcasts, right? Like, why screw over, you know, Marty in the Bronx, right, who watches basically 150 games a year, knows it's coming on, yes, like, why are you trying to alienate him? And again, alienate's a strong word because how many games is it a year? But, like, why not have yeah. two... You know, broadcast going at the same time. I guarantee the, they'll both get watched. And it's not like the Yankee fans are tuning in to watch Michael Kay and his cronies, right? Yeah, look, the I don't know all the intricacies of the broadcast rights. I think baseball, they're they're really kooky. And a lot of that is tied. Like you mentioned, like it's not that baseball is becoming a regional sport. Baseball has, for a long time, been a regional sport, um, which is why you can't compare it to some of the other ones. And, and, you know, they, obviously they, they don't have as many national games a week. Um, but at the end of the day, look, if Marty from the Bronx is going to watch every game, like if he's a huge diehard Yankee fan, he's going to find a way to watch on Apple TV. And at the end, and as you said, it's about getting the bag. Baseball's getting a lot of money from Apple to broadcast games. I don't think they really care about the, and whatever this says about Rob Manfred and about baseball and the people who run baseball run major MLB that they kind of don't care about freezing out certain fans. It is what it is, but they're getting a lot of money. And I guess you see how they invest that money. Um, we'll see if Apple renews for another season. Um, we'll see what happens with, are they going to, I think you, you get to a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess some sort of barrier or some sort of watershed where are they going to put playoff games like that type of part of the product um, only on streaming? Like, I think the NFL, they they do stream playoff games on Amazon, but you can watch it on regular, at least locally, you can watch your team. You know, if the Giants are in a playoff game and it's like the... the, the I haven't seen that in a while, so I don't know what yeah, that feels like. But it's in the wild card round or whatever round Amazon gets a game, it'll still be on local right. TV here. Um, but, you know, football is just, it's a whole other beast. So at the end of the day, look, I think baseball is, they're trying to make money, I recoup whatever losses they may have or have not had over the course of the last couple of years. Um, but I think, you know, it's it kind of, it's that's the basic answer I think is that they, they just, it, it doesn't matter to them how many 
people, you know, the, the Mets played Sunday, early Sunday afternoon. Uh, they had the, the streaming game on Peacock and it wasn't on SNY or any of that. And, the, you know, it's interesting because the Mets are an interesting situation because I think a lot of people, obviously you tune in to watch the Mets, but people tune in to watch Gary, Keith and Ron because they're some of the best broadcasters in the business. I don't know. That's, I don't think Michael K is a great broadcaster. Um, I think he's terrible. How, I don't know how Yankee fans feel about that, but you're not, that's part of the experience of watching a Mets game. Even when they're bad, Gary and Keith and Ron, they're just, they're incredible and they can pass time and tell stories and they're funny and it's, it's a great listen. So you, we lose that element of it. Um, but you know what? I still, I had to put it on the radio or I was checking in on the app or if I could, I grabbed a couple of innings watching it on my phone on Peacock. So look, if I'm the mark, then they got me. Um, so right. It's working. I mean, I, full disclosure, I signed up for a, you know, a seven day trial of the package and I watched the game on, on the streaming service on Sunday. I, I canceled it immediately after because I didn't think it was worth it because, you know, yes, is going to broadcast most of the games, but I just, right. I, I, I don't understand why they can't have both, right? If you're that, that comes down to, blackout restrictions and who's allowed to broadcast games and all this crazy stuff. I think it's what's really wild is I think it's crazy that you just, they don't have something that's more like ubiquitous and across the board where you're not blacked out locally that like, but again, it's just, that's just the way these TV contracts work. Um, It's the way these local contracts work that they just SNY gets exclusive rights to X amount of games and you can't, and, and, and they also, because they have deals with the cable companies like Spectrum or Files or whoever right. it is. So you can't put it on streaming, um, except for, I guess, they've carved out whatever exception it is. Um, I, I'm curious. I haven't looked at the full schedule. I'm curious to see, like, who is going to these Apple games. I know the Mets have already, you know, the crazy thing. I think Scherzer's, I don't know if it was his proper, de- I don't think it was his proper debut or his home debut was on Apple TV, which is like, that's where it can get frustrating because that's the type of game you want to see on your hometown network. You want to see your home, hear your hometown broadcasters talk about that game. Um, But I I am a little curious to see like, which games are going to Peacock, which games are going to Apple TV. But then you also on the other side, when they do try to do something innovative and I'm not looking to, you know, crap all over Michael K, but their answer to the Manning cast, which I think was a really cool and interesting idea on Sunday nights, was the simulcast is like Michael K and A Rod, and who wants to hear that? Like that's not that's not an right. interesting pairing. Um, it's not like ha- give me a you know MLB Network does this thing with CC Sabathia, who is just phenomenal at within you know at doing what he's doing within media and podcasts and all that. Yeah. And they do this kind of special edition where they have CC and they have a couple. They I think they have one more traditional like proper announcer. Then he has like his buddies and old ex players. That is an interesting listen picking Michael K to be like your simulcast guy. That's just, I don't know if that's an ESPN decision. I don't know if it's an MLB decision. I don't know if they're like, Oh, Michael K, he's the broadcaster for the Yankees and there's a prestige to that. So we're going to put him on the simulcast. Um, that just like, that's a missed opportunity. Cause you could just, there are some really fun players out there, ex players and current players who might do that sort of thing. Um, watching the Manicast, you know, it's right a really and mostly enjoyable and funny and entertaining. And I think for most of the Monday night games, when I had the opportunity, I watched the Manning cast. I didn't watch the main, main broadcast. It's fit. It's funny. You bring up the, the Manning cast because 
And again, the NBA tried to do this on NBA TV. They experimented it with called like players only, which would be like the Monday night games on NBA TV. And it didn't really work because they just the, – the Manning cast works, you know, because obviously, you know, Peyton and Eli are, are unique personalities. And if Peyton Manning wanted to do the traditional broadcast, he'd be the best at it by far, right, if he wanted to do that. He doesn't want to do that because this allows for a schedule. So it, it's hard to just – I'm all for trying it, but like it, it's going to be hard to replicate that because he's so incredible at it, right? That he's just different. But it, it's gonna—it's it, just weird. I, I just don't understand what there are enough talented guys out there that you just mentioned a whole bunch that they could have. You know, the streaming services can have their games, and you can still have the. And again, I, I don't know the intricacies of the TV contract and and, and the rights and and. All that kind of stuff. I just can't imagine that, you know, S and Y and yes, and the Yankees and the Mets, for two examples, who own their own their TV stations, right? That they don't want all 162 or as many as possible being aired on their networks. And I can't imagine they want any of their stuff being aired on Amazon. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like you put in the your your question in the outline was. How can they not have alternate broadcasts um, while keeping certain games broadcasted to be? And I think it just, it basically probably just comes down to business contracts. Right. Um, and it's not like a, they don't want it. It's just, these are the deals that they made and and that's how it plays out. Um, so really the better, the question. So, not, comes so, to, so you, so you don't think it's not, it's chasing a fan base that's I'm not sure necessarily. I'm sure it is. I'm sure there is an element to that. It's like, Oh, we could put this on streaming and maybe, Joe Schmo, who's a sports fan, but he's not really like a baseball guy. And like, if we can advertise it right, um, then we can get him to watch a game and then maybe he'll watch another game and whatever it is. Um, at the end of the day, I think they know that the diehards are going to, of those games, they're going to capture a significant, because it's not, it's not like they're broad picking 30 Mets games. So if they're doing two or three Mets games and you could get someone to sign up for like a, three-month trial so that they can watch those couple of games and then cancel even if they cancel it you know okay so now they've hooked somebody in maybe that person forgets to cancel so now this person's paying apple x you know five bucks a month right. until they realize it um i think that's really i there are other things that they could probably be doing to build the brand um but i also again i think they look at it as they're they're this, this is not going away they make a crap ton of money. Um, people are still going to the games. Um, attendance for the Do attendance for the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Cardinals um, are up a bunch since 2019. And obviously, I think we've realized that one of the things that was going to come back first in terms of post, you know, COVID era was live events because you know yeah. live events are are different. They just do well. Right. So I took I took a look at this and sorry, finish your point because I don't know. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I took I took a look at attendance stuff. Um, so obviously the numbers are up really big over 2020 because there was nobody there. In 2021, it was limited. No, but, but even the 2019 averages. But I'm saying the, the numbers maybe for those couple teams, but overall, I think the numbers for baseball so far, whatever timing of the article I read is that they were still down like 5% since 2019, which is obviously not great. But then I looked at the NBA, and the NBA's uh, current attendance from this past season was down like 
between three and four percent. So I think we're still in this adjustment period where people are figuring out like when they want to go. It's also look, it's expensive to go to a ball game, um, especially if you have a family. Uh, tickets are not cheap. Food is not cheap. Getting the beer is not cheap. Getting your kid a souvenir is not cheap. Um, and it's all kind of ties into like now that people are not necessarily getting, you know, the, the COVID um, stimulus checks, like they don't have necessarily the same kind of like maybe free spending cash that they might have had uh, prior. Um, and this, I mean, this is a whole bigger discussion that we're not going to get into. But no, no, we're not. <laughs> I think the numbers are, it'd be interesting to see like the rest of this season and then like into next season, how and for all sports, except maybe the NFL, because I think they just everyone goes to NFL, but like the NBA. Um, how these numbers will respond in the next couple of years as people really start to just get back into whatever as close to pre-pandemic life was. Um, but yeah, like, look, numbers are up, especially like teams like the Dodgers, they do well at home, they do well on the road. Um, I think the Mets are going to, as long as they stay competitive and play like they're playing, Don't they're going to be, be selling out all summer. Um and, and this really goes back to like the original question, like the A's attract nobody, but they have also very clearly declared that they're not even trying to compete. So why? And, and there are also rumors that they're going to move to Las Vegas or somewhere and they're going to leave Oakland. So why would people go to those games? Um, and I know that we're going to talk about the expanded playoffs and some of the other rules. So, yeah, so, so let's 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 go there, because obviously, you know, I, I do think that baseball is between a rock and a hard place in terms of staying traditional because they make like, for example, like the hall of fame is all about like the tradition and the numbers. Right. But they're also trying all these new things, whether it's the streaming services, right. Whether it is, you know, banning the shift, right. Or if it's these expanded playoffs that I do think they're trying new things. My question is, is that is, First of all, do you like these rule changes, number one? And number two is, should they be more focused on promoting their players somehow, making them more celebs than actual rule changes? I don't think it's one or the other. I think that there's a way. Look, Mike Trout, who's the best player in, in baseball. Uh, well, actually, Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball. Like nobody, the fact that he can... I think he had eight RBI in one game and then pitched the next night and struck out like 10 guys and just had some sort of obscene performance. Like since Babe Ruth, nothing, there's nothing like Shohei Otani. It's, it's absolutely insane. Um, but you can like Mike, the NBA. And I remember, I think it was an ESPN daily that I listened to about this. The NBA made a really smart decision and Adam Silver made a really smart decision to let players dress how they wanted to dress on the sidelines and going into games and really become part of the culture. Um, and baseball is just never going to be able to do that. Um, guys wear their uniforms all the time. Um, are there still ways that you could do fun things to get your guys out there and, and, and let their personality shine? Sure. Um, that is obviously uh, a, a something that baseball can, can, um, can uh, address. As far as the rule changes, you know, they have to do something to get offense back up. The pitchers are so good right now. You have every, every guy who's coming up can throw 99 miles an hour and then has like a slider or a changeup that just has this break that is impossible to hit. 
So banning the shift, I actually, I'm pretty in favor of it. Um, like you don't have to get rid of it totally, but to just make them less extreme. Um, because, you know, we're seeing balls like a grounder, it'll get smoked up the middle, but there's a guy sitting right there. So that used to be like, oh no, if your team is pitching, oh no, that, that's a but big that strategy. Why, why can't hitters adjust? They're the, they're I, the best, they're the best players in the world. Why can't they adjust? I don't think it's, first, I don't think it's that simple. Just when you consider the Of course, it's of more the, complicated than that, but you can't tell me that you can't, like... But is that what we really want to see? Do we just want to see guys slapping singles to... I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this as, as somebody who watches one of the worst three outcome players in the sport right now, Joey Gallo. I'd <laughs> rather see somebody slap singles then strike out all the time or walk and maybe run into a home run. I'd rather see that because then you have opportunity for guys stealing bases, doing like hit and runs, doing things. Like I'd much rather see that. Yeah, but it's hard to do that kind of stuff with the shift. The 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 analytics and the data is so robust that they just they know where to go. And I'm not saying get rid of the shift totally. But stacking three guys on one side of the field, I just, I don't, I think it's a lot easier for us to say than done for guys who doesn't bunt. I, we don't want to see bunts. We want to see guys swing. We want to see guys hitting the ball into the gap. Um, so look, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty in favor of some form of, of getting rid of these extreme shifts that just, it really curtails offense. And I guess really the combination, look, we have these extreme shifts. And they deadened the ball. So nobody was hitting home runs for the first two and a half months of the season, but you also couldn't get a hit because the pitchers are so good and you have these extreme shifts. You, it's like one or the other. You can't just take away everything that that um, that leads to offense. And look, Jeff McNeil is having an insane season right now because he's just basically said, I'm not going to try to shift. I'm going to hit them where they ain't. I'm just, I'm just going to beat the shift every time. And his hit tool, his back control is so good that he can just do that. Um, and he's a great guy to have in the lineup. But I don't want to see Pete Alonso doing that. I want to see Pete Alonso mash dingers because he's a big dude and he hits the ball really far. Okay, I want yeah, to see. But, I want... Right, but but okay, but that'll vary from from player to player. But I, I don't see why, especially if you're not going well, right? Where where the ball's not jumping off your bat into into the stands. Why wouldn't you try and just get on base and and hit balls where? Your infielders aren't there. Yeah, I, again, it's easier said than done. I think that you we see guys square up the ball and it's going right to fielders. So you're asking guys to completely change a lot of just like muscle memory and how they've been doing things for years and years and years and years and just to hit singles the other way. And also, I just think, I just think the pitchers are too good. I think the pitchers are too good to consistently do that. I don't think you'll certainly see, you know, guys hitting six singles in inning and, and look, they also, there's this potential rule change about making the bases a little bigger so that it's a little closer so that hopefully there are more steals, um, all these kind of little things. Yeah, yeah, but that's like, that's minute. I don't think that's yeah. going to make such a big I don't, impact. So yeah, I, I right now I'm- I I'm thought fairly, that was more a safety issue than anything else. I, I, I'm not sure. I thought it was to shorten the distance a little bit by just making the bases a little bigger. So look, I-, I as much of a traditionalist as I am, I'm pretty in favor of doing something to curtail the shift because I want more offense. And I, there's too many advantages to the pitchers um, and the pitchers are just too good. Like it's like you have this guy, uh, Spencer Strider on the Braves. He just showed up. He was a reliever, but now he just, he can pump out 99, hundred and just has the nastiest slider you've ever seen. 
Um, and like Nestor Cortez, like the ball's a little dead, so he's not giving up home runs. He's faltered a little bit his last couple starts, but you have guys like Nestor Cortez, guys like Tyler Anderson on the Dodgers, who are just kind of journeyman dudes, and they're just been elite now. And I think part of that is there's just such an advantage to the defense and to the pitchers, and we got to even that up. Um, and then as far as expanded playoffs, it only works for me if it's actually going to cause teams across the league to be competitive. I was looking, um, and let me actually do it again. Like I'll pull up the standings uh, just so I can reacquaint myself. I mean, the there are so few teams that feel like they're actively trying. In the American League, you have the Yankees. The Red Sox have been hot. The AL East. So you have the Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and Jays. The Central, you have the Twins who are playing well. The Guardians, they have a solid team. They're a couple games over 100. They're probably over 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 uh, playing above their expectation. The White Sox are not having a good year, although they they've been trying. And then you have like the rest of the Central. The rest the West is is trash. Um, and then in the National League, it's like the Mets, the Braves. Brewers, Cardinals, and there are not enough teams that are competitive. Like the, the the Braves just went on this absolutely torrid pace, and they played pretty well against the Dodgers and the Giants at the end of the month. But they just play team after team that are they're not competitive, and these teams are not trying. Like the Pirates and the Cubs, and it just that is what's really hurting the game. Is if you live in one of these cities, like what's gonna what's compelling you to go to Wrigley Field to see the Cubs when? the owners have made it really clear that they are not interested in investing and right. not interested in putting a competitive product on the field. Like the nationals have one of the best players in the world in Juan Soto and they traded away for Trey now. Turner for now. They traded away Trey Turner. Who's another one of the best players in the world. Um, and look, this was like, this was me with the Mets for years and years until Cohen, like they were faux competing. And then you get a guy who wants to compete and they can put up, and this is the type of product you can put on the field. So expanded playoffs work if it leads to competition and to teams trying to win. Um, but if it doesn't, then it just waters it down. And who needs to see some, you know, it's like what the expanded NFL wildcard, like who needs to see some mediocre team in the playoffs? Like I, nobody, that's not interesting. I, I, I don't think the major league playoffs the expansion is is going to help in a sense because again like I, I just think if you want the regular season to matter you, you have to make it more meaningful like you just can't reward people for for getting in and the wild card's beautiful the second wild card I, you know i like the second wild card game but and i know the covid year was different the 60 games and and you just had to change it up just for that one year. It, that year, I think, you know, the Dodgers winning that World Series, I, I don't think it's going to mean the same as every other World Series. It, it's just going to stand alone in time. I, I, I'm not sure that more is better. Again, it's, again, it's, it's, we, we'll, we'll find out in the next couple of seasons if it leads to more teams trying to compete. I mean, like, look, I think the Phillies tried this year to compete. And right now they're a couple of games over 500 because they've been hot. But I, I, the fact that their process was completely wrong um, doesn't negate the fact that they went out and they spent money. Um, and they, well, and the Angels spend something. money, but they can't, they're, they're never good. I mean, that's just, I don't really know what to say about the Angels. They don't invest in their pitching. 
you know, they give a big contract to a guy like Anthony Renzone, who I, I don't even know if he's played a full season's worth of games for them. And that's really interesting because you look at Otani next year is his last year of team control. They almost have to trade him, which is, it's astounding to think of, but they, I, they can't afford to pay. They pay Trout a lot of money. They have a number of, they have other guys on the roster who they pay a lot of money to. They're not going to be able to pay Trout and Otani and still be able to compete. Let so, me ask you a question. Uh, yes. Sorry. Go ahead. No. So as I was going to say, so it, it almost feels like this, it's going to be the worst PR nightmare when you trade the best player in the league away, but you can't, you can't keep him and then not sign him. You almost can't sign him because you won't be able to sign anybody else for, you know, five to eight years. Um, and well, at that point, at that point, the yes, angels yeah. should just trade trout also and just completely, probably completely tear it down to studs. But I wanted to ask you a question about, so you're talking about the, um, the expanded playoffs, you know, once upon a time, baseball only had two divisions. Yep. Do you think it would be better for the sport to go back to two divisions? That's a good question. I think what's really interesting is they're going to, they're take. I think they're taking away the weighted schedule. So it used to be that you played everyone in your division 19 times. I think that they're going to make the schedule more equitable. So you're more spread out. So you're not playing your, your interdivision um, that many times a year. I think you could do one league. Maybe you do one league in terms of the standings, like the NBA does. Like it's just the top East and West, East and West, just the top eight teams in each side go to the playoffs. Um, So I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, But again, the only thing, realignment of divisions, realignment of leagues, whatever you want to do, realignment of schedules, all that matters is you get, you have to get, you know, 70 80 percent of the league actively trying to compete and if they're not going to do that then no matter what you do is not going to matter because let's say it's all it's just the american league and there's no east central and west but so there are 15 teams in the american league if eight of them aren't trying then who really cares like that it doesn't matter you you need 10 of them to be trying to make it competitive it's weird man i just i I don't I feel like they're just trying to do too much baseball. Like they're trying to do too much. And I, I think that in general, if they just focused on, on somehow making their players more visible, a lot of their issues, you know, in terms of them being more front and center of the, of pop culture would go away. I, I truly believe that. I think that they're choosing their battles. I think they realize that that's just much less likely to happen than by trying to alter rules to create a more dynamic product on the field as a means to do it. I don't think they're, they just, I think they just recognize that Mike Trout is not going to be on a level of Steph Curry or Tom Brady or, or any, I think I, what I'm saying is that like the Q score, like of their recognizability, like Mike Trout was equal to like some, guy who comes off the bench for Dallas for the Mavericks or or whatever. So so where the, where the highlight videos, where are, you know, the TikToks? where where is it? It's funny you say that I um, am interviewing. So I, I, I work for uh, Warner brothers discovery and we, one of our, we own Bleacher Report and Bleacher Report. One of our brands obviously is house of highlights, super popular. Um, we have a role that's open that's going to be heavily focused on TikTok. 
And I talked to a guy um, who's a TikTok creator and I asked him like, what are the sports that perform the best? And what do you try to do? Like now that like the NBA and the NFL like are kind of quiet for a little bit and baseball is really the only game in town. And he basically said like NBA and the NFL never go, they never go to sleep. There's always content there. It's, it's just a all the time product. And that's what that that's where he gets the most engagement. He gets the most. But it engagement. wasn't always the case. That wasn't always the case with the NBA. You would look, you know, better than me when the NBA made the switch to being so like basically one a to the NFL in terms of the culture and the zeitgeist and, and, and what's popular. But I'm just telling you, like, look, I think the Yankees are, I, their TikToks that peep come up on my, on my feed all the time. And, um, I'm sure you watch them lovingly. No, I, I, I think it's funny. I think it's creative. So they're obviously trying at least on a individual team level, but from a larger perspective, like the, if you look at house of highlights, the majority of stuff that like advertisers partner with them on is it's, it's all related to NBA and to basketball. Like right now, that's just where it is. So baseball is just not really quite there to make that jump in. Um, because I just think they have so many bridges to cross before they can even start. And, and look, at the end of the day, they shouldn't be trying to compete with the NBA because they're not going to win. And they're obviously right. not going to compete with the NFL. So I think what they have to do is keep the game in a way that people like me and, and diehard already bought in baseball fans that we're still going to love and appreciate and not hate, which is I don't think that's such a hard task just because we love baseball so much. And whatever extra audience you could pick up is gravy. And, and that's just what it is. Um, I think you just have to kind of accept what your place is um, and, and build the best product you can. Yeah, but I don't know, because hockey's had a major come up right now, right? And it's not like hockey is, is doing anything special, but I, I, also, I also feel like they're – why can't baseball replicate what hockey's done in terms of marketing its stars and in terms of just like doing it that way? Like, use I mean, what, what, when I you mean, say hockey's marketing its stars, if Connor McDavid walked by you on the street, could you identify him like any more than you could Mike Trout? Probably not. No, but maybe not. I, but I, I just, I don't know. I feel like I see more hockey highlights on Twitter than I would see baseball highlights given their, you know, their their season right like i mean obviously what are you talking about lap, is but... it because you followed new york like i see a lot of rangers highlights on my twitter because right. i follow a lot of people who are rangers fans i don't know how look the nhl just signed big re kind of re-up national deals with turner and with espn before this season it seems like there's been some success there um but are we really like Hockey is not encroaching anywhere close to the NBA or or the or the NFL. No, no, but it, it's it's moving in the right direction, and I, I feel like baseball, with hockey moving in the right direction, baseball becomes you know if if you're not moving up, you're 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 falling back, right? And you don't want baseball to fall back even more. You know what I'm saying? Like hockey's accelerating at, at a certain speed, and and baseball's not. I mean, I, I, when, when you kind of um, brought this up, I, I don't like, I don't know the numbers. I don't know the ratings. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. Like I watched the Rangers through the playoffs, but I didn't tune in to any of the Stanley cup games and I didn't tune into any random right. NHL playoff games, but I did tune into a lot of 
random NBA playoff games. Like I wanted to see Luca play every opportunity I could because he's just an incredible player to watch. And that's obviously part of it, just the individualized right. aspect of the NBA, where even though obviously it's a team sport, Luca's gonna go funny. in. It's funny you say that because baseball is the most individualist team sport there is. Yes, think but about it. every time the Mavs go down the floor, it's centralized around Luca. So yes, baseball is the most individualized sport, but Aaron Judge is only getting to bat three to four times a game. Right. So he's right. not as involved, even though like I think that the numbers are something like the, the time that the ball is in play in football and in baseball is really not that different. And I think there are times when baseball even edges it out. But the the dynamic stuff that happens or feels like it's going to happen, even if for as many like one yard runs into the line of scrimmage, there are. Um, and then like a guy like Tom Brady has the ball half the game. Mahomes has the ball half the game or so. Luca has the ball a ton. And Aaron Judge, when he's playing defense more times than not, just standing significantly, around. the ball is not going to get hit to him. And then, you know, three times a game, four times a game, maybe five times a game, he'll get up. So it's just, it's, it's just, it's a different style. It's a different, different nature of it. Whereas like, again, if I put on the Mavs game, I'm almost always going to see Luca touching the ball. Let me let you go on this. The Mets on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you in this Mets team right now? I mean, what's the like confident to win the world? Like, what what's our confident <laughs> in in saying that this team has a chance to be special, that they can win the National League and potentially win the World Series? Um, nine. Like, I think if if you look at how they've played, pretty much without Scherzer and without Degrom, and there's a lot of caveats. Let's say Degrom's we don't know. Degrom hasn't really pitched in a year and a half. We don't know if he's even capable of staying healthy, but let's say he is. Let's say DeGrom is capable of staying healthy and you have Scherzer. What, who's who's better than them? The Dodgers are really, really good, but I'll, I'll take my chances. You know, I was listening to the game on the radio the other day and how they were talking about the, they expand the playoffs and the wild card. And if you're one of the top two teams, you get a bye. And let's say the Mets are fortunate to get a bye. You could feasibly have a five-game series when in, in the division series where four of those games are going to be Scherzer and DeGrom, and the other one is going to be Chris Bassett, who is another really, really good pitcher. So there's just not that many teams that are going to be able to compete with them. And the fact that the Mets have played as well as they have, and they have also played a gauntlet of a schedule to this point. The rest of the season, they have one of the easier chains of schedule, but they played all, pretty much all the good teams. Um, and they played really, really well, and they're still 20 games over 500. And the Braves went like 19 and two in June and they're still five games back. Like that's crazy that they played at an ungodly pace and they're still really not all that close to first place in the division. I think the Braves are really good and the Mets and Braves will play a lot the rest of the way. Barring a bunch of catastrophes, the Mets are going to, are going to roll into the playoffs. Um, and I, and they'll make some moves at the deadline. So this just, again, it just goes back to Buck and just the guys that they have and the guys that they got rid of. And they're not hitting a ton of homers, but they don't strike out a lot. They have a high average. They get on base off. They score the most runs. They play great defense. They don't make stupid mistakes on the field. Edwin Diaz has been remarkable. Really um, beyond really good. His, his strikeout rates per is, is just, they're out of this world. 
Um, so they have all of the pieces there that can translate um, to a to a to a potential championship. Um, and obviously, it's it's really exciting. And you know, that's a it's hopefully going to be a. Where are you at with Francisco Lindor? Seems to be okay. a lightning rod for Mets Twitter. From the little that I follow. So Where are I don't you at think with Lindor. I don't think he's as much of a lightning rod. Any like obviously last year there were some up and down struggles. I think that he is entering, and this is what I've said. He's entering the Carlos Beltran phase of his Mets career. So Beltran, his first year with the Mets, was like it was good, not that special. Um, and then 2006, he was phenomenal. And, and Beltran, probably the most underappreciated Mets position player, um, maybe ever. He's just was a phenomenal Met. And Lindor, right now, um, he's in the top 20 in in WAR. Um, you know, his average isn't great, but he has driven in. I think he's in the top five or so in the NL and RBI. And um, look, he signed a huge contract and it's impossible to play to the value of that contract, but they had to give him, they had to sign him. There was, you didn't have any option there. And we're going to see like the money that Trey Turner is going to get this off season. And we'll see what kind of extension, like a Raphael Devers get. We'll see what kind of extension Aaron judge gets. Um, and that's, and, 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 and a couple of these other guys who are coming up. Um, Lindor is going to be a really good player for the Mets. He's going to be a big reason why they are successful for a long time. Um, I think that he has adjusted pretty well. He plays every day. He's a gamer. Um, he wants to play every day. And it, the only lightning rod that he is right now, he's a lightning rod for the team. He plays great. He's a good hitter, plays great defense. And really, what more, what more can you ask for out of him? You know, I, I'm just saying there, there, there's a portion of Met fans that, that are still disappointed because, again, you know, the contract is the contract. Yeah, look, Mets fans can be irrational and crabby and stupid. And like, <laughs> well, just, well, well, OK, then. I mean, that's true. There are still Mets fans who were like super worried when they weren't winning every game and the Braves were starting to pick up ground in the division. Like the Braves won 14 games in a row. You cannot expect to win. 14 games in a row. The Mets have not lost three games in a row this season. That is astounding yeah. at this point in the year that we're at. They didn't get shut out until their 50-something game of the year. The Mets are really good. So, like, I think there's a lot of PTSD and scar tissue that's related to being a Mets fan from the Wilpon era, and I get it. Funny, I have a friend um, who has a, a son who I think he's a second grader or a third grader, and he's just, like, he's entering that, like, just diehard you know, that diehard time in your life when you fall in love with your ball club. And he's just, he's never going to know what it was like to live through the Wilpon years and to just kind of like luck into a world series in 2015 and, you know, have the opportunity to build a dynasty um, in 2006 and they just didn't do it. And they built a stadium that to the detriment of David Wright, who was their best player, they, they built this crazy right center field thing when all that was where his power was. Um, and all these mistakes on mistakes on mistakes, but the Mets are set up to be like a Dodgers. Like they're going to develop players. They have great people in the analytics department and they're going to spend money. And that's what you have to do to be competitive. So it's a great time to be a Mets fan, regardless of whether they win the world series this year, I think they'll win one soon. Um, it's kind of crazy that like the Yankees probably actively got worse in the off season and they're the best team in the, and like they haven't played this well in, in years. So of course that's happening at the same time that the Mets are finally emerging. Um, but it's exciting. Like if we get a subway series, like that's exciting. I'll tell you, know? you this. I'll tell you this. As good as the Yankees have been, 
I think the Mets are more of a threat to win the World Series than the Yankees. I think the Yankees, the problem when, is like, when right, when, when assuming everybody's right. Yes, because look, I have felt that Nestor Cortez eventually, like guys pitch to the back of their baseball cards more or less. The shine is starting to wear off a right, little the shine, bit. The shine starts to wear off a little bit. Um, look, Judge has stayed healthy this season. Um, that hasn't happened in a while. I hope he remains healthy. Uh, but the Yankees are good. Rizzo's been playing great. Their pitching has probably been, been a little bit above expectation. And, you know, when you compare guns to guns, like I'll take Jacob DeGrom over anyone else that the Yankees could acquire. There's no one at that level that any team is going to pick up that is on a level of a Jacob DeGrom. So, and then at the same time, for that matter, I think after watching, you know, the Mets got swept by the Astros in Houston and then the Astros played the Yankees really tough in a couple of games. The Astros might be the best team in the league. Like I, uh, they're they're just they're really impressive. Um, Altuve is good as always. Verlander has been a revelation at his age. Jordan Alvarez has been absurdly good this season, uh, almost like going toe to toe with uh, with Judge. Um, so the Astros are going to be a problem. Um, yeah, and, but screw them. Sure. They're still going to be a problem whether you screw them or not. <laughs> screw them. <laughs> screw them. Who cares? Who cares? But no, it is it is good times in uh, New York baseball land. But uh, yeah, I, it, it, you know, I, I hope we uh, we get a Subway Series World Series. I mean, that, I think that'd be awesome. Uh, It'd be really cool. The country wouldn't really like it, but we don't really care because we're New York elitists. And uh, I just I just hope. First of all, Bosch, thanks for coming back on. Number one, thanks. number two is I hope that people appreciated the the first part of the show where we talk about actual, you know, baseball as a as a broader topic as opposed to just talking about just the you know what what uh, Aaron Boone <laughs> did in terms of you know a, a bullpen decision because yeah it's 162 games like somebody's gonna give up a lead in the bullpen like it's just yeah. gonna happen yeah people need to really like that's the one thing. You just can't overreact to. Um, you're not going to win every game, and sometimes the guys that usually get the outs are not going to get them. And sometimes Aaron Judge is going to strike out, and sometimes Edwin Diaz is going to give up a run, and that's, that's the way it works. That's baseball, Susan. Moshe, it was good yeah. to speak to you, bud. Uh, thanks so much for doing it, and uh, we'll obviously text back and forth like we do, yeah. and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Wait, I was going to say before we go. Yeah. You put on the uh, quick Cowboys pulse. I'm not gonna. I'm oh not gonna yes, run I know we were running long, so I didn't. I'm not want gonna. To, uh... run, I'm not gonna run away from the question. And here's where I'm at. I think they've had a disastrous offseason. I don't understand what they're doing in the sense of like, I obviously, I the cap is not real because every great team, the Rams, they somehow just find the money to keep making moves. And the Saints have restructured everybody to the end of the world, and there's always more money. Um, so you have this like thing with the cap and the Cowboys and Stephen Jones, and they're always oh, we're just happy with our guys. No, the market inefficiency is if you can take advantage of trades and in free agency, and they just didn't do anything. So they really haven't gotten better. They let Randy Gregory go. They traded Lyle Collins, and all in the name of like having to save room on the cap. Um, and as long as you believe that the cap is something that prevents you from adding players you're just not going to be good uh and 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 that's you know really crappy on the uh, flip side you know i saw uh mina kimes said something i don't know if it was on one of the nfl shows around the horn whatever it was 
before Dak got hurt, he was just one of the best players in the league. And then he got hurt in that Patriots game. He hurt his cap, and he's basically never the same after that. And it, it always comes down to health. When the Cowboys have Dak, they average like just under 30 points a game. If you're scoring 30 points a game in the NFL, you're going to win most of your games. Um, but I also, I do fear that the Cowboys have, they had an opportunity to build a bit of a window for themselves. And by not spending money and not being aggressive and getting guys, they let the Eagles creep back in. The Eagles had a great draft and they, they brought in AJ Brown. The Giants are up. Look, I'm not worried about the Giants because they don't have a quarterback, but they had a great draft. Um, and they have guys that are going to make make some issues for the Cowboys, like Thibodeau, over the next couple of years. Um, and, 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 and now that Gettleman's gone, you know, they could be treaded, treading in the right direction. And you get rid of Daniel Jones and you find a real quarterback and, and, and that causes some problems. But luckily, the Guardian, uh, the, what are they? Commanders. Commanders. The commanders the Guardians are, play in, uh, in Cleveland. They play baseball. Cleveland. The commanders, look, they brought in Carson Wentz, which is just a joke and great. <laughs> like I, poor Terry McLaurin. Um, but uh, I think, I, you know, I think the Cowboys have, have made some issues. At the end of the day, they still have a lot of, like they traded Amari Cooper and they got nothing for him. And there was no reason Sounds to trade Amari like Cooper. And 10 to me. Amari Cooper is a great player and you didn't have to trade him because of this idea uh, of the cap. So the problem, it's almost like Will Pontian, but it's worse because nothing can really happen to get rid of, you know, the Jones boys out of Dallas. Um, you know, Jerry will one day pass to the great yacht in the sky and then Steven will take over and nothing will get fixed. So the Cowboys are, it's dire straits in that sense. And you know what? They blew the window with Romo and they're going to blow the window with Dak and this like everything they do is a self-inflicted wound, like waiting to sign Dak. They didn't have to do that. Waiting to sign Randy Gregory. Waiting to sign DeMarcus Lawrence, waiting to sign this guy, waiting to sign that guy. And they just put themselves in these situations and then they have to spend more money. And then when they spend that more money, then they say they don't have any more money, which is all bullshit. But look, they're not as good as the Rams. They're, they're you know, probably right below in that like second tier right now in the NFC, as long as Dak stays healthy. Um, but they didn't set themselves up to win a championship and, and it's kind of a bummer. Seven and ten. That's what it sounds yeah, like. They won't be seven and ten. Seven they'll, and ten. They'll win the division. Maybe they'll win the division seven and ten. But uh... it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> all right. Well, that that was that was that was uplifting for all the Cowboys fans. Um <laughs> <laughs> thanks for doing it, but I'll speak to you. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Thanks again to recurring guest Moshe for coming back on talking about baseball as a whole, talking about the Mets him lamenting about his Dallas Cowboys. That was really, really sad to listen to, coming from somebody who's a Giants fan who knows what sadness is when it comes to the NFL. But hey, that's where Cowboys fans are at. I don't blame them. That's episode 163 for the love of the game. Take us out, big. not speaking. Leave that leaking like rapper demo. Tell them, take their clothes off, slow it. them with the force like COVID. Black like COVID. Watch me roam like roaming. Lucky they don't own me. We're the same, show me. Home me. Home Biggie, biggie, biggie. Can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. And I just love your flashy ways. I guess that's why they're broken. You're so fake. Uh-huh. Can't you see? Uh-huh. Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. Hypnotize. And I just love your flashy ways. Uh-huh. Guess that's why they're broken. You're so uh-huh. big.
biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me, and I just love your flashy ways. Uh, guess that's why they're broken, you're so fake. Uh, biggie, 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 uh-huh. can't you see? Uh, Sometimes your words just hypnotize me, and I just love your flashy ways. Uh, guess that's why they're broken, you're so Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.